I'm Matt Ingram. I'm a musician, a producer, and a co-owner of Urchin Studios in East London. In these podcasts, I'll be talking with creative individuals that I know and admire about music, art, the creative process, and of course, whatever else comes up. Joining me today is my friend Tom Hannon, who writes for the music blog, The Line of Best Fit, and is also the most committed music fan I know. Yeah, well, so thanks for coming in, man. And um, like, I wanted to do a sort of print special in in view of the news. And um, I thought, who better to do it with than you, who, <laughs> who, when news of his passing came, how many people got hold of you, of your friends? It was like, it, it was like a family member had died or something. It really made me like... It must have been like over fifty people. Just like, asking directly. if you were like, okay. Oh, yeah, I'm like, oh, just going, oh, mate, just like offering their like condolences, and it was, it was like, it made me think two things. One, it was really nice like, that that yeah. amount of people immediately thought of me when uh, when Prince died, but it also did make me think like, wow, <laughs> like what, <laughs> what what image of myself have I been projecting for uh, for all of these years that they need to get uh, in direct contact when someone of that stature passes away but yeah. but yeah mostly it was just very nice of everyone <laughs> yeah yeah totally and and we we were talking last week and something that you said like, really stuck with me and i'd like to start on this in the so there was a kind of prince night at the lexington yeah and you dj'd for just prince stuff just prince and uh kind of side projects so there was like vanity six and the time and right. stuff like that right and how long did you, did you DJ for? It would have been, like, with uh, help from my friends Grace and uh, Marcus at the Lexington. I think between us we did a good five hours, and I probably hogged, like, the lion's share uh, of that. I don't know another artist you could do. You <laughs> could, no, you, seriously, that you could do that with. Um, that you could sort of play for five hours of, like, of, like one artist's work yeah. and keep the floor... And it basically just be bangers. Yeah. Well, that was one of the things about it. Like, so for the first hour and a half, uh, we didn't play any singles. <laughs> That's unbelievable. So it was all like kind of album cuts or B-sides or side projects and things like yeah. that. Uh, we had people who were just kind of wandering in at the early stages who didn't know it was a Prince night coming up and going like, what the hell is this? And it was like, it's all Prince. It's all going to be Prince for hours. And it was like, oh, okay, fair enough. Like, I'm in. Uh, yeah. And then yeah, there was a section in the middle where it was just uh, ballads. Uh, you know, Purple Rain, Nothing Compares to You, Gold, and stuff like that. And then a section of just like sexy slow jams where I think a lot of people met like either future husbands and wives or just re- like regrettable one night stands at least. <laughs> uh, yeah. it, was, it was a really fun night. It was really, really good. Yeah, but honestly, I've been racking my brain about you know, who else Who else could you do that with? And I, I can't, if anyone else knows, please, please write in. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's absolutely exciting. Well, I think there's, there's been a lot of kind of. Uh, Comparisons with like Bowie's passing, and there were lots of like great parties that were big Bowie nights. And I went to one of the Shackwell Arms, uh, which was kind of very Bowie heavy, but it was also kind of music of the time. There was you know some Beatles and Bolan and Velvets and Lou Reed and stuff, Iggy and that thrown in, uh, and it made for a, a great night. Sure. But you, uh, even with Bowie, who's got a similarly kind of sprawling catalogue. I don't think you could do five hours of like. Of, I mean, of, of I mean, you could. Bangers. That's the thing. I think you could, but it would be to like a Bowie crowd. Yeah. Whereas with Prince, I think we still had stuff that well, we could have kept going all night. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, with Bowie, like so many of the bigger tunes are not necessarily something you could fill a dance floor with, and that's mm. not to their detriment whatsoever. Sure, sure, absolutely. Uh, no, I think you've got a point. Like, there's some, yeah, 
something quite remarkable about the catalogue that you can get yeah. that much out of it. I mean, I, I, I kind of felt we, we'd end up talking about Bowie as well. But, and I, I think what made Prince's passing just even more shocking and even just sadder in a way was that, you know, we both saw, we were lucky enough to see Prince when, was it two years ago? Which one? Uh, just the. I saw him at the electric when he came over and shows. did. I, yeah. yeah, and yeah. he was still just a, an absolute weapon. Yeah, as a performer, it was yeah one of the Un- best, best things I've ever seen. Unbelievable, and you, you, you know, whereas you, know, you could argue that Bowie is perhaps as a performer. I mean, he still Black Star's a great record, and so yeah. has loads of interesting ideas. But as a performer, it's perhaps past his kind of peak. But seeing Prince at, in his mid fifties, you're you're like you just I didn't I didn't. Feel that, yeah. You know. Well, you got, I think you got the feeling with Bowie that he kind of knew he was past his peak and didn't want to be kind of like as a performer anyway. Like yeah, didn't, didn't want yeah. to be on stage and not being able to give it everything. Mm. Whereas with, but his recorded output, I mean, the last couple of records, like was was really, really uh, very quite high quality. Absolutely. Prince's last twenty years of recorded output is kind of patchy, and I say that as an enormous yeah, yeah. Prince fan. But you've got to re- you've got to search for like the gold in it, which is there, but it takes some time. But as a live performer, he was just on top of his game right until like the very end. He was playing like he was in the middle of like a solo piano tour when he died, which was just getting like rave reviews everywhere. I I I'd love to have seen that. Yeah, would have been because I, I I saw him at the so I I've seen Prince twice. Mm-hmm. It was once at, at the O2 yeah. when he and I saw him at the last night of the twenty one shows. Yeah. So when, when I was trying to think when was that? That was oh when that when would that have been? So that was just after Planet Earth came out. Right. So that would have been. It was that eight like years ago. Eight years ago. Six, seven, maybe. Or was it that long ago? I should know that. So, so I, I saw I'll, him. I'll on, check it. I saw know. I saw him on like the last night of that. And he played for three hours. It was it was definitely like the best big gig arena show yeah. I've seen by like uh, you know a hundred miles. Yeah, because he kind of made it weirdly like, intimate. It, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. It was some, somehow he just anyway. But he did a solo piano section in the middle of that. That was just like the highlight of the show in a show of just that was yeah. just that didn't have like a dull note in it for three hours it was it was absolutely extraordinary but yeah I thought that, well, you know when I found out he was doing a solo piano tour um, I thought oh I bet that'd be great yeah I mean like so many artists when like they announce a tour you, you, you just want to see them play the hits <laughs> mm. <laughs> but every time I've seen Prince it's been kind of slightly different in a slightly different kind of venue and sometimes it's not been a hit heavy set but there's, it's been just like I saw him nine times, and they were the nine best gigs. <laughs> really, really. They were just each one of them was amazing for a different reason. Right. So let's just kind of go to the start. So when right. when did when did Prince sort of first enter your life? What, you know, um, I've got two like very early childhood memories of Prince, and so then there's like what, a long just to say, what, gap. What what year were you born, Tom? Eighty five. So okay. Right. So I, I was born when like Purple Rain came out. Yeah. Uh, so, but I I was much more into Michael Jackson as a kid. Yeah. Like, thanks to my cousins who were like Michael Jackson obsessives. And... So, so was I. I, I. I think Michael Michael Jackson was a bit more kid friendly. But, but, <laughs> but uh, to, yeah. But you know it was so was I. I mean I was born in like the late seventies and you know Prince wasn't really on my radar. Yeah. Basically 
until I found out about sex and girls, yeah, then sort of right, prince right. steeps in a bit more. Uh-huh. Do you know what I mean? Now, I, I vividly remember seeing Controversy on, like, Top of the Pops, which had been out for ages. It must have been, like, a kind of rerun or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, quite young, and thinking, like, huh, I don't quite understand this, but I'm going to part that for later. <laughs> there's, some, there's something interesting yeah. there. And then on some, like, kind of long car drive family holiday down from like to the south of France uh, remember dad picking up around the world in a day on cassette uh, from like some French service station and we played that album and the only track that he liked on it was Raspberry Beret and he just kind of chucked it in the uh, glove compartment and we didn't really play it that much since but I remember that song being amazing uh, and then it wasn't really till I went to university when I think like it was me, me and my friend Jess were living in like student accommodation, skint as hell, and like staying in and watching a load of bad TV. And it was one of those like Sunday afternoon, Sunday night, I love the eighties kind of like right. uh, borrowed memory from Stuart McConey kind of uh, shows. And they had uh, Prince doing When Doves Cry, and I'd not seen like the video for it. I knew the song, but I hadn't like paid him that much attention. And I just remember watching that video. I it was about 18 and just was, like, shocked by how amazing it was. And started going on eBay and buying up his entire back catalogue kind of on CD about, like, two quid a time from various far-flung parts of the country. Mm-hmm. And eventually got, like, all of it. For about, like, two do years, you, like, you, all I listened do, to do, was Prince. Do, do you have all of it? Do you have the entire...? Uh, I mean, like... I think everything that you can get without doing dodgy deals with uh, shady characters in mm. purple alleys. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and a lot. Uh, there's like the peak period of it, like anything from like the self-titled album to about love, sexy, is impeccable and like flawless. I can dip in and out of it at, at any point and find something new. From then on, you do have to work a little bit harder. Uh, but what what year was Love Sexy? That would have been eighty eight, maybe. Okay. I should know this. I, had, I should have had these like kind of tattooed yeah, yeah. on my arm. Otherwise, <laughs> there's gonna be loads of people. There wasn't eighty eight, you idiot. <laughs> okay, so that's basically ten years worth of like, in in your yeah. opinion, of just yeah, yeah, sort yeah. of solid I mean, gold. That's yeah, that's gold. All right. Mm. So when when did when was the first time you saw him? Same at the at the O2. Yeah, because he hadn't been. No, I think that hadn't was been the, in a long time. The first time, pretty much anyone of your generation could see him. Yeah. I think that was his first time in in the UK for like like ten years or something. I think he came over for like Musicology, which was a couple of albums before. Yeah, but he did like Hammersmith Apollo apparently. Yeah. And obviously. And like one night. You one night, and then and, and I wasn't then, in London. Then, I was in yeah, Devon. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 then like yeah, and obviously played a club. Um, and I, I, you know, I'm. I spoke to people that were there, but yeah, for, I think for a lot of people, uh, of of you know, our slash your generation, you're a bit younger than me. Um, that was the first time. Yeah. And, and it was that gig at the O2 for me that really made me a fan, mm-hmm. because for for me growing up in, growing up in the eighties, Prince was just sort of part of your was part of like this your kind of fabric of of of, of that time. I put my phone on silent. And um, I just always being aware of him, and I like you know I liked 
I like Purple Rain. Yeah. I like Raspberry Beret. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought that the tune Sexy Motherfucker was like, oh, when I was at school, yeah. I was like, oh, that was a bit naughty. But then it was, it, was, it, it was going to see him and literally just being... This is the thing that struck me when I saw him. I don't know any other artist who can write sort of introspective material like Joni Mitchell. Leonard Cohen and on a I would on a level with those people yeah and can and, and can then sort of perform like James Brown and then play the guitar like Hendrix and sing like Sly Stone yeah sometimes <laughs> all at once yeah and you're just like so, what is going on I mean on? what gets me about those, those live shows especially like the big arena runs the like you know 21 consecutive nights of like three hour plus shows and you don't you don't get too many people who do that I mean like Springsteen does it like to this day, uh, but there can't be that many others who would like, who would bother, because you don't like, you don't need to, yeah. you don't need to bother. Like he could like quite easily spend the rest of the days in Paisley Park just making tunes. He didn't need to go out. Like he didn't need the money. He didn't need the kind of adulation. But there was just such a kind of joy in performance that you got from actually, it. Actually, and, and like that, that's what I think. Yeah, absolutely. You, you, just, you just kind of felt it. So, obviously, so for you going to the, that show, mm. did, do you remember where in the run you, you saw it? Well, I went twice uh, to the O2, and I went, like, kind of two or three days from the beginning and, like, two or three days from the end. And they were, like, totally different sets really? by that point. Yeah. And being that much of a fan, you obviously weren't disappointed. No. Was there a part in your mind that said, this better be good? You know? Well, I... I didn't... I didn't, well, I didn't really know what it was going to be because I'd, like, I'd listened to a fair ton of, like, Prince Live Bootlegs. I'd listened to, uh, like, following set lists and, like, things like that um, from, like, shows in the, the recent past. But still, he could just, like, turn it at any point into something else. So I wasn't, like, kind of nervous that it was going to be shit. I was... But you didn't really kind of know what to expect. Hmm. Which like, added to the excitement, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And, and obviously, it wasn't a, it wasn't a disappointment. Before. No, no. It was like, yeah, the first two of my nine favourite gigs. <laughs> <laughs> so what were the other times you, you, you saw him? Uh, so I went three times to the Electric Ballroom. So I saw him three times in two days. Right. That was the next... Like that was the one he run. did a couple of years ago. Oh, no, ago. no, no. That, so the next time I saw him was at the Hop Farm Festival. Uh, I heard that was a banging gig. That was absolutely wonderful. Yeah, yeah. that was uh, like two two of my favourite bits from that were... Um, it's the first time I'd heard him do Nothing Compares to You, I think. And at the end of the song, kind of rapturous applause. Uh, Prince says to the crowd, like, uh, thank you, but that's not my song anymore. That's Sinead O'Connor's song. And the crowd kind of jokingly boos. Really? Uh, and he just kind of goes, now, 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 I bought me a house with that song. <laughs> <laughs> and then goes straight into some other fucking classic and yeah. like everyone's throwing themselves around and having a great time. But that went on like way past curfew. Um, Standards. And we're all like kind of out in Kent for some, <laughs> like, for some reason thinking like, I'm, no, I'm definitely not going home because he's just started going into like, um, if I was your girlfriend or something. Uh, like he hears of the curfew and then tells the crowd that they're telling him to stop but a party doesn't stop when there's a curfew it stops when everyone falls asleep <laughs> we're like okay cool so it's going to be 150 quid in a cafe <laughs> and it's going to be worth every penny yeah that was the next one and after that, that I think after that it got to 
like the whole hit and run tour, um, which was just so exciting when he was just kind of in London for two weeks. Yeah. announcing gigs kind of on Twitter mm. uh, and you didn't know where they were going to be and you like just following Twitter for, for a day looking for like clues that he might be playing somewhere and stuff like that. How did you get into the Electric Ballroom shows? Um, the I was very kindly let in to review them. Very, very kindly. Who, who, who um, did you review for? Uh, for the Line of Best Fit. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah, 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 great. Um, so the first one was just after... He'd done that thing at Leanne Le Havas's house. Yes. And then kind of came over to uh, the electric ballroom for what they were calling a sound check. But they ended up letting a few people in. And it wasn't particularly well publicised, so it was just uh, a couple of like hardcore like Prince nerds and uh, like a bunch of journalists who were like within travelling distance of Camden that night kind of thing. And he played maybe like 12 songs... Uh, a lot of them kind of like medley, uh, but there were fifty of us like in the that room. That must have been really weird. Room. It was uh, like I couldn't believe it. It was, and it was all like kind of new arrangements of songs that I'd never heard before that sounded amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, so all of these like kind of minor key versions of um, I could never take the place of your man, and oh, what was the other one? She's always in my hair, mm-hmm. uh, which were just kind of astonishing. And I just stood there, like, n- n- not knowing what was going on. I couldn't believe that. And then the night afterwards, there were two more shows at the Electric Ballroom. Went to the first one. And That's, then, I was yeah. at that. Did I see no, you? No, I think I saw you. At, didn't, well, didn't you guys come for the second? Because there were two shows that night, and I remember hiding so they wouldn't throw me out. <laughs> so I could no, watch the second I, one. <laughs> I, went to the, I went to the first one. And I felt, just seeing Prince in the Electric Ballroom, was like being in close proximity to, I don't know, like a lion. Or it just felt wrong. Do you oh, know what I mean? It just it was, sort of felt weird to see him in this place. Well, that, it, it kind of felt, especially like with, do you remember they played um, Bambi as the last song? It's on like the self-titled record. It's I can't like remember. I can't huge, remember. Huge, like, like monster of a like rock number. And that felt like dangerous. Like I've never like seen just like... Bangy and rock and roll played like that. Before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, that was that was quite. Because I, I was really the thing about that gig is that I saw him basically do at the O2 three hours of hits. Yeah. And then that show was just like, I think he kicked off with um, some rock version of like Kiss, but it was all kind of reinterpreted. Yeah. No, it was, it was rock kind of, yeah, it was um, it was a lot. It was let's go crazy. Yes, let's go was, crazy. Like, a, lot, That's kind of, it. a lot kind of slower and like with a lot huge of guitar. Groove. And then just like he just played like I don't know that night he's just like okay I just, I just want to play guitar. Tonight. I think that was the because that was one of the first Third Eye Girl Band shows, which was then a very different band from like the New Power Generation. Who yeah. was with at the O2 and that, and they were just like a hard rock funk trio who were amazing they were amazing yeah, um, yeah yeah you're playing with Prince I mean if you're a musician yeah you've got to have some chops you're, you're a musician <laughs> and you're playing with Prince it's like you're officially like a badass yeah no questions yeah it was, it was great man um, and I you know I just I just really wanted to see him again and yeah <laughs> bad yeah. But so, so what were the what were the other gigs on that so there were those, yeah, three electric ballroom shows, and then which I was like lucky to, very, very lucky, and very grateful that I went uh, to review. And then the other was um, I did two more on that hit and run jaunt, and the first one was the Shepherd's Bush Empire one, which I mean that was an amazing day. <laughs> that was like found out like at midday that he was playing at Shepherd's Bush Empire that night. 
it was like a Sunday afternoon. Uh, there was no way I was going to like get guest list for it because like people had already started queuing. So we just went down, me and my friend Phil, <clears throat> uh, with a few beers and thought, uh, sod it, we'll sit here for the seven, eight hours it's going to take. Uh, and at that point, they said that the tickets were going to be 70 quid. And I thought, I've had three like print shows like gratis, so yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I'm gonna, I, I'll take the hit. That's absolutely fine um, because it's it, yeah, it's going to be even if it's the same as it was like a week ago. It's still going to be amazing. Um, so we were there, and the queue of people like so like so many wonderful people. You get in a queue of people who were willing to stand for seven hours like outside in February. Mm. Uh, so we had. Uh, the girl in front of us, uh, she was a like an opera singer who had a exam at nine o'clock the next morning that she was meant to be kind of like practicing for all day. Charlotte, her name was, and she um, decided to just sack it off and like stand there and see Prince. The woman behind us had like seen Prince like 50, 60 times, and she first saw him on like the Dirty Mind tour when like he was there in like. Assless leather chaps and stuff. Love, that would have been amazing. I'd love to have seen that. Uh, but, but then, like, an amazing thing, the most amazing thing happened. <laughs> he decided, we like, just as we'd all, like, had a few beers, we were totally happy with the idea of paying 70 quid to see this gig. Like, that wasn't, wasn't an issue for any of us anymore. Uh, we'd been there for six hours. The doors were about to open, like, in an hour or so. Uh, he dropped the price to a tenner. So... All these people who would have paid 70 quid to get in and had been there for hours and hours and hours kind of making friends walked into the Shepherds Empire with like 60 spare quid in their pocket, yeah, a yeah. load of new mates, and saw like the gig of their lives. So the, the, the woman who had like first seen him on Dirty Mind tour said that it was like in her top three. Really? That's like a legendary like print show. That was that was really, really something. And I had like um, George Clinton was up in the... Uh, Really? Boxes, like dancing <laughs> around and stuff like this. Uh, and then there was... I, I, yeah, going up, <laughs> I, I'd love to have seen that. Because I, I think the one thing that, you know, I missed out on was, was dance, full yeah, dancing, I mean, like, doing the splits prints. Sexy motherfucker prints. Yeah. Which he like, kind of retired as a personality uh, around, around his kind of conversion to being a Jehovah's Witness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So something else I wanted to say was I thought you 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 wrote a really amazing article for oh, for Line of Best Fit, which I'll, I'll try and put up on the on the site actually because something I thought and I totally agreed with you about was that it presents a figure that is so kind of mythologized and it's almost just such a yeah such a, a a huge figure in popular culture that you you were like saying like you know I don't know him and I didn't and you and you didn't yeah. want to either yeah. So no, just I was be- happy not to know him. Like, yeah. I don't, um, there's lots of like my favourite artists who I hope like one day I'll get to interview. Like I'd love to spend an hour with Tom Waits or like yeah. Bruce Springsteen or someone just like, chatting about. They'd be a good hang. Yeah, they'd be you'd a good th- hang. Think. Whereas like I'd be terrified. Yeah. To interview Prince, I interviewed Third Eye Girl, and I was terrified then. <laughs> Did you? Yeah, yeah. Who were all exceedingly lovely. Um, and it was yeah really fascinating to meet them. But I think. I, yeah, I never wanted to, to completely get rid of that mystique yeah. around Prince. So much like 
I think so much of my enjoyment of listening to Prince, and I, I've only kind of come to this realisation in the last like fortnight or so, when I've just been wandering around listening to a ton of Prince, <laughs> even more so than usual, is that there's something about listening to Prince that makes you feel more like Prince. <laughs> or more like what your idea of Prince is. So yeah, like, yeah. I'm not a guitar-slaying sex god, but I'm a little bit more of one <laughs> like, when I'm listening to Prince. So it rubs off by, by proxy. <laughs> yeah, like, as long as I don't like, take my headphones off and talk to anyone to try and pick up a guitar, mm. I'm like... And yeah, that mystique's really powerful and really kind of well-cultivated. Um, and it's... It, yeah, I mean, lo losing that mystery of a person is kind of... I think as much part of what people are grieving as losing like the guy because like no very few people seem to really know him. Mm. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, uh, and I I a hundred percent agree. Like yeah, like I like, I love to hang out with Tom Waits. I'd love to meet like you know, I'd love to meet Ringo. Yeah. What, whatever you know, it'd be, you know, it'd be a, yeah, just like, you know, get get a train yeah, with Ringo. Yeah, get, yeah. And, and it'd probably funny. But Prince, yeah, it was just like. We're almost like Barry. I'd say the same about Barry as well. Hmm. They're almost like not of this earth. Do you know what I mean? They're just like, just they're so, ex such an extraordinary person. And you wonder how much of that is kind of careful management of their persona or if they're just like no, I a think, little bit nuts. I think they're just absolutely exceptional people who... Who just aren't like us. Just aren't just, like yeah. us. They're just, it's like, again, it's like, like, I loved, I like... I wouldn't want to meet a tiger face to face. Sure. Do you know what I mean? It's just something, you know, you know, it's just like there's something about it. I just want to kind of keep it at a sort of a sort of distance. Um, something I wanted to say was that I, I actually wanted to do a, a talk with you, uh, regardless of, you know, these very sad circumstances. But um, I'm trying to, in these podcasts, get like a different perspective right. of people that I know in the music industry. So, you know, musicians that I work with and um, producers that I've worked with and label guys and whatever but I think you represent the fan <laughs> because there was there was I first met you and the whole kind of rock feedback scene about 12 years ago yeah and I because my background had, had, is, a, is mostly as a musician so I'd kind of hung out with other musicians and I think there's something different about I think musicians have a different, um, a lot of the time, a different relationship with music, mm -hmm. um, and some, and I would say, are not proper fans. Possibly, they're this... possibly they're snobby and they're kind of fickle. But whereas, like me and you, you, you know, you lot, you know, I say that like yeah, everyone yeah, yeah, used to I, hang around in those, I know, I know those the crowd, yeah, and you're just so, you were so eloquent when you talked about music, and also you didn't, for me, you didn't, you didn't talk about music in sort of. Like, kind of geeky muso tongue. Sure. You just well, you, like, you we're spoke sitting, we're about in this amazing studio, which I've, I've I've been in and played in, but I still don't know what any of these buttons. <laughs> are. I've got not a clue. It's I'm all terrified of it's like, all, it's turning all bullshit, the wrong one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, but but and and for me, as you know, as as a musician and a music fan, like meeting you guys and like talking to you about music was just it was a real, very important point for me because, like, like I said, I don't think I'd met like kind of proper proper music fans until mm -hmm. until until that point it's funny like yeah I mean when uh, I was getting all these messages when like people had found out that, that Prince had died it was you know because everyone knew that I was I was a really big Prince fan 
and it started me thinking again about I've got some I've got some article in me somewhere that I haven't quite sorted out uh, about fandom and why why there are some people who do just become kind of fans of things and there are like maybe like six or seven artists and West Ham United Football Club <laughs> who I can just like kind of follow into like their darkest depths and still kind of just like I've got their back and I want to know everything about them and uh, I, mean, I, I, I want to get everything they've done on every format and put it in an order <laughs> uh, and I don't I really don't know what the, what that is and why it's like it's inexplicable I don't know why I have that and some other people don't and I can't really explain what it is like to feel that attachment to something that you you have nothing you have no input do you, you have no input but i think it does kind of well you are i should say as well as for, for people listening tom you're in a band as well and yeah yeah <laughs> which um yeah which we, we had a great great weekend in urchin uh Putting down some uh, some tunes. A very noisy record. It's a very noisy record. Yeah, one one day hopefully we'll see the light of day. We just need to. Is it not out? No, no, we're uh, obsessing over artwork. Uh, okay, <laughs> that old chestnut. Yeah. But you you said something to me, Tom. So we were at, the only Glastonbury you've been to. No, oh, it was the first. It was the first Glastonbury you've yeah. been to, and it was it was Springsteen. That, that was the second one. That was the second one. Okay, so it was, but the, so, and I remember chatting to you. I think we were watching. I can't remember. I think we're watching Crosby, Stills and Nash actually. Right. And and anyway, which is pretty bad. Uh, and um, <laughs> but you, you were saying yeah, it was what was it? Spring, it was so Springsteen, Neil Young and Blur. And you were saying you know if I had to pick the headliners for Glastonbury, this 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 is basically like my line. It's, it's pretty close. And you yeah. said something to me that I, that I want to talk to you about. I remember you saying, I don't normally like to go to festivals because I like music too much. Well, that was the thing that annoyed what? me about the first time I went to Glastonbury. Yeah, what did you it, mean by there that? Were, like, Glastonbury seemed to me after that first time, which was one of these, like, you are knee-deep in mud the whole time, yeah, you yeah. don't sit down for five days, uh, you, you know. It's, you, a, it's, a, real, it's a real ordeal, isn't kind it? Of thing. And I saw a couple of really great things. I remember, like, Björk being great that that time. Uh, Arcade Fire were brilliant. But I my main memory of it was trudging through mud and missing bands that I wanted to see because it just took so long to get everywhere thanks to the mud uh, and stuff that I did want to see being like so far away from it really wet and the sound being like shocking but the lineup, there's always like people complain about Glastonbury headliners but there's a ton of stuff you can see at any Glastonbury there's always going to be something like you want to watch and it was like it was like what was that? I said it was a place to see great bands but not a great place to see bands <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so the second Glastonbury, I took a totally different approach. I was like, because I knew it was uh, Neil Young first night, Springsteen second, Blur the third. I was like, right, I'm only going to see the headliners, and I'll just and it was like, sunny. Dick about for the rest of yeah. Glastonbury, and I had a much much better time. Mm. Uh, and I, yeah, enjoyed both three sets immensely. Yeah. Do you know? It's a slight brag, but we uh, I'm we're supporting. Neil Young. You you mentioned that last time I saw you, and I'm still uh, amazed and so like proud. Of yeah, that. brilliant. Yeah, I mean, when we find out, so I so I'm I'm supporting uh, Neil Young with Laura Marling. We, we're going on tour, and we're we're all we're all like, oh my god! But okay, to play those shows will be, you know, good and everything. But for me, it's just the fact to see him every night. Just to get to see him five nights. Is that in a when row. the kind of fan in you comes out? Is it watching kind of like? 
like jobbing, <laughs> like yeah. musicians. I mean, it's but, like it's watching the craft happen, rather. Yeah, than... I mean, for me, the, the, there's. I mean, I think I'm a bit like you in in the sense of like, you know, I am a music fan, um, and th- there's a magic in music. Like, I can't, you know, I think some musicians could c- can be can be like, yeah, I like this artist because I don't know. They somehow feel affinity to to toward the craft. Yeah. Right. But for me, and I do feel that I do like I like I do like sort of certain craftsmen in music, and I think oh, that's really clever and the way that things are structured. But I think the artists that I really really like, like I don't know why they like them. A lot of my favourite singers can't really sing. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, same. You know, they're not really great singers, and you know, you, you certainly wouldn't hire them in to do a session. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and um, a lot of my favourite favourite musicians can't really play, or, or you know. Can't I mean, it's such a loose term, isn't it? But it's a, yeah, you know, they're, oh, not, they're not getting in Prince's band. They're not getting. They're not getting. <laughs> they're not getting in Prince's band exactly. Whereas, um, yeah, Neil Young's just just kind of. So part of me wants to <laughs> want to see his amp. Yeah, you know, how <laughs> does he get that fucking guitar tone? And I've heard, you know, and and again, Neil Young's a, a character. There's so much sort of mystery around him, and I've heard, I've heard so many, I've heard so many things. It's like, oh, you know. He uses this really small lamp with like really underpowered valves that run really hot, and there's like fans all around his amp, just like cooling it, <laughs> keeping. Otherwise, it would. I've heard that. I've heard that um, he's got a boost pedal that when he wants like a bit more gain, yeah, he, he presses the pedal down, and this it physically turns the gain up <laughs> on his amp, <laughs> and I'm like, right. I want to, I want to, you know, I like, so, so yes, so I feel like I'm half enough. So the half of me is like, definitely, I definitely want to geek out and like speak to the crew and uh-huh. say, so you know what strings does he use, man? And then half of me is like, you know, I do think like Neil Young is, is like, is magic as well. There's something utterly like magical he's, he's about He's another him. one of my like just all time favourites. And it, I think like similarly to like Prince, he had like, he's had a good, he has had good ten year stretches where it's been a real struggle to like be a Neil Young fan of his recorded output. Yeah, um, a lot of that's kind of being reappraised at the minute. The stuff like Trans and Landing on Water and stuff like that, and the more like like Trans always sounded to me like when I first heard it, it was like him trying to make a Kraftwerk record, but having never heard any Kraftwerk record. <laughs> like, He'd read about Kraftwerk. Someone had explained. I'm sure he had the concept, the concept work, of Kraftwerk. It, yeah, it sounds like someone had like made a Kraftwerk record having having read a manual, <laughs> which it sounds like the kind of thing Kraftwerk would have put out. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, yeah but it's it's when you get that it's that kind of singular vision of an artist and like that really uncompromising yeah. path that people like like Neil Young and Prince's music doesn't overlap that much but, but, you're but right. there's something about yes you you there comes a point where you get interested in the in the person and and yes. their and their creative process so much that the stuff that they're creating is interesting regardless of its quality yeah. you know? and that's like a- a- absolutely that's that's a difficult point to like convince people who just want to listen to good songs all the time uh like it is worth following because you end up listening to a lot of crap Absolutely, and and it, and I in both you're right. You know Neil Young and Prince completely different, um, stylistically speaking, but they both, particularly as performers, they both have this like utter commitment to yeah. what they are doing. 
it's uncompromising total commitment that that i think as a musician i always want to have that for, for me that is that to be completely unapologetic about what you're doing and to know that you're great at what you're doing but to continue like taking risks in what you're doing yeah that's yeah. that's everything uh, but what you get into a lot of trouble i think and you get misunderstood for like entire decades or, or maybe you don't even understand yourself for that i mean they both had huge problems with warner brothers and yeah yeah like still do too i kind of don't think I, well you know again i i don't know i don't know either of them but i kind of think they don't give a fuck yeah which again <laughs> is so cool it's just it's so cool that that i you know Say Neil Young as well. So I, I've only seen him the once, which was at Glastonbury. Right. Which was a fucking great thing. Yeah, it was wonderful. Yeah, and um, yeah, it was it was it was it was fantastic. And um, I forgot where I was going to go with that. Uh, I would edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I can't wait. It's going to be it's going to be it's going to be absolutely. Someone um, told me said an interesting thing about comparing. Just to go back to those Glastonbury headliners, like mm. comparing Neil Young and Bruce Springsteen, who unlike Neil Young and Prince, there is a lot more kind of overlap in their in their music, mm. uh, I'd say. Uh, but still, they're kind of like wildly different. There's a lot of respect between them from various rock biogs I've read, apparently. Uh, but the difference is that Springsteen wants to please his audience so much that sometimes he neglects to make any good art. Whereas Neil Young wants to please his art muse so yes, much that sometimes he just doesn't care about his audience whatsoever. So that Glastonbury, Neil Young on, on the Friday, which was amazing. What did you think of Springsteen on Saturday? It was the worst time I've seen him. I, I thought he dropped the ball. I think he... He played the wrong set. He Yeah, he did. He played a kind of Springsteen fan only, fan only set. And it was boring. There were moments of it that were great. Like I thought the river was like <clears throat> yes. amazing, and Dancing in the Dark was great fun. But there was lots of uh, points where I, I brought a bunch of people to see it with me, and I they they bummed me out, man. <laughs> I they could, I, yeah, I could really? tell that like they weren't like having a great time and were kind of humouring me. And I've seen it a, a ton of times since, and it's always been better. Because really? that's the only time I've got a thing at. At festival, just generally, I don't really like crowds, uh-huh. and I get quite. I guess it's my only phobia. I get quite claustrophobic, right? And um, I, I'm rarely down the front of those big ones. Like, I'm, I was down the front for Springsteen yeah. because I was with uh, Tom Rogerson of Three Chap Tigers. Who's right, a Springsteen fan. He's like, "Come on, we're going in." I was like, "Okay." So you're in, and then you're like, "Okay, I am here for the duration of a Springsteen show, which because is everything from three to four yeah, hours." Because you know, I'm just, hundreds of thousands of yeah, people behind you're you. You're just in, and you're like, it's, it's just cool. You know, obviously, it's not like I'm down the front for Slipknot. Do you know sure. what I mean? It's like it's like it's fine. But um, yeah, I was I got a bit bored. Like the opening was amazing, and then the last forty minutes was amazing, and then there was just this two hours yeah. of like, hey, and then you know, and you're. The cra- I was kind of talking about the craft. I I thought it was astonishing that you can do a three-hour show and basically not even pause for a breather in between uh-huh. songs. I mean that was that was yeah, that, yeah. Was, that was incredible. Well, again, yeah, it comes back to I st- I don't know why he does it. I mean, especially, like, especially with so many uh, beloved artists having passed away like already this year. Like like someone like I'm going to see Bruce Springsteen a couple of times this summer. I'm expecting him to play for about three and a half hours like each night. Bruce, I'll take two hours. Like, <laughs> two hours is fine. Get an early night, mate. Like, tuck yourself in, yeah. you know, match of the day. Don't worry, like, 
take a load. I mean, maybe. I mean, you know, I, I, I'd love to speak to him about it, but maybe it's that thing of like, like not resting on your laurels. And for maybe him, it, it, it's, it's about, you know, I think he's taking risks. I think he's worried about time running out and just wanting to get as much in as possible while he can. I mean, because there's there's already been a couple of members of the E Street Band who've passed away. Mm. Parents. Clarence and uh, Danny Federici. Mm. And, you you know, they weren't kind of particularly uh, much older than him or anything like that. You don't know when this is all going to kind of stop. So his, his attitude seems to be... No, every song, every show is going to be longer it's, than the it's, last it's, because it's about quantity. Yeah, here for a good time, not a long time. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so who and so who are your other sort of you know architects, Tom? Do you, do you need to do no, 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 do you need no. Um, architects. Now, because you you went to that um, that Tom Waits show, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, that was quite something. I I think I see most of that on YouTube because the Hammersmith Apollo. Yeah, when you open with Hoist yeah. That Rag. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I would have, I would have, I would have like lobbed off like a finger to have gone and see that. There was just how like, did you get in? That was just like luck of the draw on tickets. Just really? like having three phones on the go and a couple of like people yeah. on laptops at one point. Um, yeah, we, that was just sheer luck, and that was yeah another just absolutely mesmerising gig that I'm never going to forget. Um, how long did Tom play for? He he like it was over two hours. Right. Uh, it wasn't like kind of marathon slog, but it went all over the place. I mean, like hoist that rag and the stuff he did of kind of swordfish trombones and brain dogs and stuff like that was all very kind of theatrical. And do you know, do you know, big time the kind of this live album and uh, film that he put out just after the like. Frank's Wild Years trilogy, so like Swordfish Trombones and Rain Dogs okay, and Frank's yeah, Wild yeah. Years, and he's there like throwing glitter in the yeah, sky yeah, yeah. and uh, telling these like long, uh, long jokes and like it, it's it, there's something very like circus about the whole yeah. thing, and then it's just like him and a piano breaking your heart yeah. for like another chunk of it uh, and, and everything in between. You got like. Jazz, like three, just like three piece kind of jazz band with him, like scatting away and like beautiful, just like solo acoustic ballads. It, like, so it wasn't kind of in length, it wasn't mammoth, but the the sprawl of it, like stylistically, was everywhere. It was, yeah, magic. Yeah, yeah, I'd, lo- I, I'd love to see. It. And he comes over here so rarely. And did you go to the Paris or the Edinburgh show? Because he okay. missed he missed London out, yeah. didn't he? Yeah. Well, okay. it's the so when was that? That would have been. It was about 2004, I think. I yeah. Um, so, and it, that was the first London show he played in 17 years. And he's not played since. So he's played once in 29 years in London. Uh, he just but he just doesn't like touring. I heard he's, he's afraid of, I don't know if that's true, but he doesn't like flying. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So. But it's not yeah. like he plays in the States much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but he's like, he goes like Neil he goes to Neil Young's house and plays the farm benefit once a year or something. But that's kind of it. Or when like Letterman's retiring, that's then you'll yeah, get yeah. <laughs> and one new wait song when that he played on that show is amazing. And where the hell is that album? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so y- y- you're you're not completely over festivals. Then you will. You will, oh no, you no, will no. go back to them. Um, I'm I'm going to Primavera this summer for like the eighth year in a row. 
That's yeah. a good festival. Night Festival is good, and they've got like nice indoor bits. There's, it's all. Well, it's by the Catalan coast, <laughs> so Which uh, helps. it's there's. Uh, it's really sunny, like pretty much all the time. The lineup. It, I'll definitely know it's time to stop going to festivals when the Primavera lineup's bad. Like that'll be <laughs> it. Like, if that hasn't got anything for me, then I'm getting really into gardening. Yeah, you're that, not you're not you're minute. not relevant anymore. No, that's it, and that's fine. Like I'll be happy with like I'm not. I don't want to be going to stuff that I don't enjoy for the sake of going to festivals for the rest of my life. Yeah. And I thought I thought after going for seven years in a row that I wasn't going to bother this year with Primavera, but then it was like it's Radiohead and LCD Sound System and PJ Harvey and Shellac and the Wardens and all these people that I adore. I thought oh, I just kind of booked a flight without even really thinking about it. Fair enough, man. Yeah, I'm not. Yes, I'm not against like kind of festivals as an idea. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Like, Glastonbury's too big for me. I, I Glastonbury don't... is too big, and and I, just going back to what you were saying, like I do know what you mean. Like as a music fan, sometimes I feel like I'm watching a band because I, the thing I like about festivals is discovering new bands that I uh-huh. might never have heard of. And um, sometimes I feel that like just no one's people are there to kind of pose or just to drink with a friend. They're not I think really they're, kind they're of there folk. for a, for a, a week off. And that's absolutely fine if you approach it as like this is like an enormous field of people on holiday and there's some really great music that we can go and see. But if you like something like Glastonbury for me, like if you approach that as a kind of exercise in finding new bands, you're better off just like going to like toilet circuit venues in London for a week. Yeah. Or even seeing your like your favourite stuff often can can let me down uh, enormous stuff like that because Absolutely. there's there's it's not it's not on your terms and it's not on the band's terms either it's on it's on Glastonbury's terms you play you play yeah. Glastonbury if you don't play a Glastonbury set you know Absolutely. you're I playing find... to the cameras as much as you're playing to the the crowd Absolutely. and Absolutely. it's it's the idea of waking up on monday morning at glastonbury just fills me with so much dread <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean uh, you know i i I've seen very few. I mean, I've enjoyed festivals, and I have enjoyed going going to those bands that I've enjoyed. But like, I don't think any of my top gigs would be a festival. Oh, actually, no. I saw Nine Inch Nails in 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 um, uh, Switzerland. I was playing a, a festival in Switzerland, and we we got there a day early. This is about two two three years ago. We got there a day early, and I was really tired because I think we come from America, and. Um, but I knew that like Nine Inch Nails were headlining. I'm like, oh, I've got, I've just got to go. And um, I, w- I went there. And this festival, there's a kind of it was one of the festivals that had that has like only like one kind of big headliner, and then a lot of you know they always spend uh, their money on the kind yeah, of big yeah. headliner. And there was only about ten thousand people there, and it was like the perf the, the perfect summer sort of still night, no wind, and. It was. It was. The, did you did you see Nine Inch Nails doing that tour where it, they built the stage? No, so, so they Trent plays, comes out uh, just with like it was just a white light on stage, and I think the set was white. And then Trent came out with just like a, a synth and a mic, and then the, the and then the, each band member sort of comes on. It was a bit like the, the Talking Heads. Yes, that's, you know, yeah, the, the, that's the, what I'm it, picturing. It, it gets built. Yeah, it's kind of different. Anyway, it was literally one of the most perfect gigs. I've I, been, well, that makes seen. me even sadder that I missed them. The one festival that I went to that they were playing <laughs> for for no good reason. Really, oh, really? But but I think that was. I mean, talking. But I think 
I don't know, the crowd was just particularly good. Yeah. Because um, I have seen, I saw Nine Inch Nails, I've seen Nine Inch Nails four or five times, and I've seen them at Reading, and it, it just didn't work. Really? Just, I thought that would have been... No, it wasn't. It, right I don't know, the, the, it, the sort of focus like wasn't on... They they were on before the Smashing Pumpkins or something. Or even the, maybe it was even the fucking Chili Peppers or something. Yeah. So there was just loads of kids there that were just like... The, you know what I mean? There wasn't the right sort of energy and the right focus in the crowd. Whereas like at this gig in Switzerland, it was just... There was just utter reverence for it. And, and it, it was just one of the most perfect sounding gigs. And I... It was, it was amazing when you get great live sound at festivals outdoors and everything's kind of just right it, it, it is great it's absolutely magic it happens rarely I it's think. very rare you need like perfect yeah. atmospheric conditions yeah you that's know. one of the things I like about Primavera is I think the uh, like the production levels of that festival are really high right. know, I've never thought god these guys sound pretty chunky <laughs> yeah and that main hall that oh, know, it's people play beautiful. is, is yeah. great yeah yeah, it's like having the Barbican as part of your like festival uh, exactly. like choice. Yeah, amazing. So, Tom, do you still go and see like bands, like like new 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 bands? Just do you have the time now to go and do that? Yeah, well, I try to like as much as possible. I think because um, so much of what I do on Line of Best Fit tends to be like reviews based uh, or like kind of feature articles. It tends to be bands who've got a bit of a a story there like already right and especially um, some like day jobs with Amazon Music and a lot of that is like very catalogue driven so most of my time's taken up I, I, and I love filling in gaps like in my, my musical knowledge so that probably excites me more than finding new things <laughs> is like joining kind of something together I, give, I, I love that kind of thing give me an example um, well I, I think that all came from like stealing mp3s off the internet when i first like got the internet and thinking that like every band who i was reading about would reference the velvet underground and we had no velvet underground records right, right. so i would go and nick a couple of velvet underground songs and then and then would read about lou reed and iggy pop and like i was like oh david bowie was like yeah, yeah. You know, i had the lou reed and iggy pop thing and like brian eno he sounds interesting Foxy music what's that so like that kind of thing just like little Venn diagrams or, uh, you know, nodes going from one yeah, place I, to another. I, I have exactly uh, the same thing. I, I absolutely, I still absolutely love that. Um, but when I do find something I like, I, I tend to get really, really into it. Uh, I really, have you heard the Anna Meredith album? No. That's amazing. Okay. She's this kind of Scottish composer who, like, had been around for years, but doing, like, um, commissions from, like, BBC orchestras and, and things like this. Uh, and has only like just made this like record for Moshi Moshi I think and it's a really it's a really amazing piece of composition but it's also a really amazing pop record and I saw her at the ICA uh, like a month or so ago and that was that was great so that's been like my new find and I like, you, really wanted to go and see that did really you, did you write that. about it for Line of Best yeah, yeah so yeah I reviewed that in like for London Stereo and I think I reviewed the gig for Line of Best Pit. Yeah. How, I mean, how do you, in about writing, I mean, I used to write for Rock Feedback. I remember, you were very out. good at it too. Oh, thanks man. Uh, I mean, I found it really, if I really like something, and I actually said to Toby who, who ran Rock Feedback at the time, mm. like, I'm only going to write about stuff I like. Um, and that's not, it, it's not easy, but 
to, to write about something you like is a lot easier. There, there were a couple of things that I went to see that I was indifferent about, yeah. and I didn't end up writing about them because 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 I, I didn't know how. Yeah, yeah. you know. I mean, ha, ha, do, do you have a, a similar thing? Well, you can only write about what you what you know. So, uh, which sounds obvious, but so for example, like my, I don't have much of a grounding in music theory, like at all, and especially like classical music there's a lot of it that I really enjoy but I couldn't tell you kind of quite why it was amazing in terms that you know a composer would understand mm. and I went to see uh Philip Glass at the Barbican uh, last year just playing the like etudes these ridiculously complicated uh piano pieces that were kind of mesmeric uh for like a couple of hours and it was there was a hell of a lot of theory to it, and I like struggled with like I think I did like a first draft where I was like kind of trying to read up about uh, minimalism. Minimalism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I can kind of kind of got a handle on yeah that kind of thing, but like, like I don't even know if I'm pronouncing etudes properly. It's not like, <laughs> uh, but uh, so I had this whole thing about like explaining what one of them was and whether like that yeah. should be a part of like am I just like and it was just it was crap it was a crap piece of writing because it, I, it was obviously someone who didn't know what they were talking about uh, but, but, it, like uh, so I, like the second draft of it I got rid of pretty much all of that and just spoke about like what I was thinking and feeling while I was watching that thing and so because that I knew like obviously I, I, yeah. I, I have authority on what I was thinking and feeling <laughs> like, at that time no one else really knew what that was yeah, yeah. and what I wanted to get across like more than like here's how much I know about classical music is yeah, yeah. here's how fucking amazing Philip Glass is yes. and like here's if you know nothing just go and sit in front of this for two hours and like think about death <laughs> and like meadows and yeah. stuff like because it'll like change your life but but this goes back Tom this goes back to what I was saying about kind of the whole thing of fandom yeah. is that like you know, I don't really like talking about music in sort of theoretical terms with other musicians I do if there's a problem if I'm in the, sure. stu- if I'm in the sure. studio and, and I don't know you're producing something and something harmonically isn't working uh, talking about theory is really useful just to, just to sort of pinpoint essentially something that's abstract and you can talk about it in in, sort yeah. of, in cohesive terms but in terms of my appreciation of music I really don't enjoy t- talking about it and being told about it in in sort of very technical terms and also I find the thing that's weird is it's like oh I'm listening to classical music therefore oh I need to know more about this yeah I think that's bullshit it's you know it's it's all about just how you feel about it mm. and some of the best music well, like some of the some of the best music writing you're right is just that you know I mean I I, I don't I, I I went to a stage of like going to the proms right quite quite a lot <laughs> I really liked it it's just like a gig but it's an orchestra you stand up pay five quid you have a beer I, I love I love seeing orchestras but it's, it's mostly amazing. just like I love hearing them tune up. Yeah, like just that swell <laughs> yeah, it's of sounds. Like now, I've I've got a music degree, which actually hasn't helped me at all. In my <laughs> no, it really hasn't. And I always associated music as oh, you know, classical is like something that's part of like. And and actually, when I listen to when I go to see a an orchestra, when I see a piece of classical music, I I I just come at it like a fan. Mm. Again, that, all all the. The things I should and shouldn't be feeling and shouldn't shouldn't know about it is fucking bullshit. Yeah, it's just music. It's all music. I don't, sometimes, like I think we, I wish I had more context with 
jazz. I wish I, I think if I knew a little bit more about jazz, I'd enjoy jazz more. So there is like some jazz that I've I've loved, but I can't really tell you why, and I can't express it. I can't express but my again, enjoyment why do, of it. Why in do the you same have way. to? Why do you have to tell? Why Why do you have to explain jazz? Where you don't I, I think, it, I think it's like to... like I was saying before about like joining joining dots. Okay. And jazz just seems like the dots are everywhere. <laughs> right. And I I, I I enjoy like little pathways and things. And like obviously one of the great things about jazz is when it just ignores all of that. But I I don't know what rules they're ignoring. <laughs> and that that might I think give me more kind of enjoyment of it. I've got I've, I've got like a if I have a late fifties ahead of me, fingers crossed. That, that's it. Jazz, it's jazz and gardening. Like the Primavera lineup won't even register. Like. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, what else did I want to ask you? Um, we've, we've covered a lot of ground here. So it's good. <laughs> yeah, I thought we were talking about Prince. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Suddenly giving you my theory of jazz. That's not really. <laughs> yeah, we, we. I mean, we've got. I mean, I kind of knew that if you came in here, we we would kind of dart around the place. Sure. But 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 that's all. Anyway, I saw I saw an amazing band. Uh, two weeks ago, Wavonka Gentle. Uh, you made me write this down last time we, uh, we you, saw did, each other. Did, I, did, I haven't did checked you it check out yet. No. Fucking, they were good. Just like, I don't know. I don't know how. See, this is the thing. Like, I've, I've spoken to quite a few people about this band, and I don't know how to. Des- I just don't know how to describe it. Mm-hmm. The first song lasted about half an hour. You know, it was kind of this, med- this sprawling medley that was all at once really sweeping and went to so many different places like musically harmonically but yet just had just seemed to have these three minute amazing pop songs in as well it was it i don't know how to describe it they were they were were and they were all wearing like robes it was fucking brilliant like the closest thing that i get from your descriptions is like early mystery jets gigs or something yeah yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was a, a little bit like that. Yeah, just in, in just like what, what a kind of anything can happen. Yeah, feeling. and and everything has happened. And and also, for a, for for a band so young, I mean, I don't know how old they are. They look like kind of young guys, but for they've just done sort of three EPs. Mm. Their um, like their textures and sort of where they went musically. Sometimes it was really heavy. Sometimes it's fucking flat out weird. And then, and then it all kind of seems to come into focus briefly for this beautiful sort of three-part harmony section with, with, a, with, with some really cool lyrics. It was just like a lot of ideas mm-hmm. and, and, and sort of very cohesive. I was, it, was, it was absolutely wonderful. Yeah, that's, that's, I must check that out before do, I speak to you. Do, and, and, <laughs> and I don't think they're doing um, many gigs because uh, I, I suppose they're, they're, the guy that manages them, I think they're kind of... And, but there was, there was like a... There was like 100 people, 150 people there and they, everyone was like really into it. Anyway, but I think we should wrap this up, Tom. By Go on, man. We'll do a playlist of um, stuff. We can't do a Prince playlist on Spotify. No, that would be tough. <laughs> that would be tough. Um, um, but I think... Well, there is the, there's kind of the, there's a bunch of like... I mean, the exciting thing right now as a Prince fan is what happens to like the vault, this kind of mythical Absolutely, yeah, uh, this... place underneath Paisley Park. That Which contains, apparently like, they've opened right well yeah supposedly but like but, <laughs> apparently it's an actual vault <laughs> I mean, 
just containing like a hundred albums worth of material. I mean, my dream job is the guy who sits through. <laughs> That's what I want to do. Yeah, but yeah. there's like little bits that I that keep kind of leaking out, like maybe like once a week at the moment that I've never heard before. And there's been a couple of tunes that I've like that are just like they crop up in YouTube now, which they didn't need to do because um, he's not around to take them down. Uh, yeah. So yeah, there might be something we can put together like from stuff like that that could be interesting. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, speak, I mean, I, I guess we should we should we should finish talking about Prince. Um, I wonder what the vaults like. Like, I mean, is there going to be? Is there going to be like another? So if there's like a hundred records, there could be like ten amazing albums yeah. in there, like amazing records, or or it could just be literally the sort of the. the you know, like when Jeff Buckley died, there was just these sort of uh-huh. yeah, and there's still ten yeah, albums every, worth of every three years. It's, yeah, yeah, there's like a new the, the, or that horrible Kurt Cobain thing that came out. Did you listen to that? No, God, it was atrocious. Don't ever listen to it. Okay, I won't. So, yeah, just what was it? Was it a de- was it demos? Like, well, it wasn't even demos. It was like literally. I say literally. It wasn't literally him fighting into a box, <laughs> but it, it, but that but that a literal recording of that wouldn't have sounded out of place on really? this. Like, just it was just like yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I garbage. Mean, I mean, you're talking about like the sort of the the, the sort of mystique of Prince, and I mm. hope that now they're not just gonna like shit. We've got a hundred records worth of stuff that we can like drip feed. Yeah, and you know, I hope that it's gonna be done with dignity. What I hope is that they release the bits of it that are worth releasing, and by that, from what there's a, there's a really great book called Prince by a guy called Matt Thorne. Where he interviews all of the like producers and uh, musicians who worked on albums that are in the vault. Really? So there are there are albums in the vault that are finished that are, like, but just weren't released for whatever reason, right. kind of either contractually or he's got, like he's got two of them out a year. At the minute we're going to sit on this one, uh, and they they speak really highly. I mean, obviously they worked on it, so they're not going to say this is dog shit. It shouldn't come out, but they speak like in a way that's made me very excited about hearing what I hope are, like, finished Prince records. I don't want, like, some kind of, like, posthumous release that they'd, like, yeah. chuck Kanye West on or whatever, <laughs> like, for the sake of yeah, like, yeah. A, a verse. Uh, but I'm fascinated to hear, like, the albums that didn't come out around the time of Sign of the Times or Purple yeah. Rain or yeah, yeah, yeah. things like that. I mean, knowing Prince is, you know, his... Just his brilliance, really. If there's a hundred records there, surely 10% of that's got to be amazing. Yeah. I mean, going off yeah. the last, like, ten years of his recorded output, ten percent of it was amazing, so that's a pretty yeah. good ratio. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, well, look, here, here's how you think. Uh, Tom, thanks for coming in, man. Oh, thank you very much for having me.